Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to this episode of Bare Bones. As always, I am Dr. Mason West, and with me today is co-host Danny Meehan. Danny, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Wife and I are gearing up to buy a second car with the baby on the way and everything, so it's good stuff. Jeep Wrangler? No. No, no but that's uh, not what you're getting in Chicago? No, no. Uh, the Ford Edge, it looks like. Ford Edge? I don't even know what that looks like, to be completely honest. It's like a crossover SUV. All right, there you go. New car, new dad Danny. car, new dad car. Wee! Honestly, like my, I, I say Jeep Ringer because, to be honest, like that's my the next car I want. If like it's like a fun car, but I mean, I have a Kia Sportage and it gets the job done. It's just exactly, and I found a good deal at one up in uh, Libertyville. So, yeah, not too shabby. Um, so first things first, chart review. We're going to dive into some news from the week, uh, some crazy things, some not so crazy things. First off, Robbie Gould retired. Yeah. How about that? Didn't get a job all year long. Retired, not missing a single point after try or a single field goal in his postseason career. Definitely crazy. I mean, when you think about, or at least when I reflect back on his time with the bears and then, you know, being let go by Ryan pace and, and all that jazz. I mean, obviously amazing kicker. There is a whole will they won't they thing that happened when he was with the 49ers and he kind of was saying he wanted to come back to Chicago. Cause I know his family's here. Uh, then it didn't happen. They bears did their kicker carousel. I mean, there's pretty crazy actual kicker stories post Robbie Gould. Yeah. And I, I think the thing I, I, I like to clown him about it, but it, the Robbie gold, I need to feed my family thing. And then someone digging up, he actually had no kids. It was just him and his, his lady. It's like, <laughs> feed your family, your wife. Maybe she's big into buffets. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but fair point. you know, just kind of out with a, out with a whisper instead of a bang for, for Robbie, uh, obviously his time in Chicago is always going to be remembered. Uh, good as gold. Uh, that, with that yeah. catchphrase, which was fantastic, yeah. but best kicker it, in bears history. And it's really not particularly close. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, another bit of news. Uh, not sure how much credence there is to this, but uh, Josina Anderson tweeted that she was told that the Chicago Bears are expected to have interest in commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, among others, with general knowledge that current head coach Matt Eberflus is under evaluation with the team at 4-8 and eight per source. So first things first, salute to general knowledge. Um, I'll be remiss if he's the coach. Given everything we know about this organization, Eric Bieniemy's past, and I don't—I know it's 25, 30 years old at this point, but he does have a checkered past from when he first got into the coaching work and, and as an athlete at the University of Colorado Boulder. And then you factor in the weird resignation slash firing thing of Alan Williams, the the dismissal of the running backs coach whose name I'm drawing a blank on um, for office misconduct and whatnot. Right. Well, I, I would say I'll be genuinely shocked if he ends up being the hire. Will they talk to him because uh, of the David connection? Walker, by the way, David Walker. I, will I be shocked if they talk to him? No, I, I actually expect them to talk to him because of the connection to polls. And at this moment, I don't think Poles is getting fired, given how his young players are performing at the moment. But everything else, I'd be genuinely shocked if he's the hire, just given everything we know. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I, I'm in the mindset. Everyone deserves like second chances and. Also of the mindset that, you know, if you looked at who I was when I was 18, 19, 20, I'm speaking random times here, not that this happened when at his age. <laughs> oh, no, I, what don't, I don't know that I, you know, you might not hire me as, as a physical. I did some stupid stuff at that time. I mean, not sure. not until like what he did. Let, let's be at least what he's accused of doing and all that jazz. Um, but, you know, it's, it's more for me about the path. And if there was a recurrence of those things and you find out that, there, that that's the case, then obviously should be a no-go. We also have heard um, for him in particular that there's um, maybe he's not a great interviewer. <laughs> like we've, we've, we've heard, heard he's a bad interviewer. We've heard he's comes off. He's as not pompous. Yeah. Come and comes off as kind of like Magoo almost where like he does. You don't really want him being the guy who's your mouthpiece of your organization. Cause he just doesn't, he can't formulate a thought really, I guess like, and that's not necessarily the world end of the world. Like, Bill Belichick doesn't say boo. And obviously, you know, the game is passing him by, but a lot of coaches aren't good in front of the mic, but you got to win if that's the case. That's always something, and this is a small sidebar, that's always something with most athletes and even head coaches that when they go and talk and various media or fans give them shit because, oh man, like Iberflus is a good example. I mean, Iberflus mm -hmm. has a bunch of other issues I have <laughs> with him, but if his only issue was that he's not good on the mic, which he's not, I don't know why we care so much, to be completely honest. I don't think you need to be a great speaker in order to be a good head coach, as you said, as long as you're winning. Um, but again, Iberflus has enough other stuff, plus I, the fact that he's not winning. And I just have questions. Like, I get he's done some decent stuff with Sam Howell, but I've got questions as to whether or not he's actually really good at this or not. Like, <laughs> it's hard to say. 
I definitely want to give him some credit. I mean, the big question oh, was, credit, was yeah. you know, he went from Patrick Mahomes because the whole thing was like, well, how much of it's Andy Reid and how much of it's Patrick Mahomes and how much is Eric Bieniemy going over to the commanders where the head coach is Ron Rivera, who doesn't touch the offense and taking Sam Howell, who's basically just Baker Mayfield Jr. And being able to do what he did there. I mean, it's not necessarily his fault that Sam Howell decides to take every sack possible. Um, but I, yes, have the, when you look at the tweet that Josina Anderson put out, the bears are going to show interest. Yeah. They should show interest. The, mm-hmm. it, the tweet didn't say, you know, that he's, he's the front going runner. to be the coach. No, they're going to talk to, like I said, I think they're, they're going to talk to him, and I think that's going to be the extent of it. Yeah, and it seems like there's a pretty big uh, PR push going for Eric Bieniemy right now because there was that uh, tweet by, from Ducina Anderson today. I think Jeremy Fowler wrote an article about him as well. Um, there's just a whoever is in it's, charge of trying to get Bieniemy hired is doing a big push. It's also probably because he's he, the only OC job he could get this past offseason was for a lame duck head coach, and everyone knew it. So he's trying to. This is this is his safe face time. Like, hey, look at everything I'm doing with Sam Howell. Look at everything I'm doing with the offense. Please, for the love of God, give me a job. Well, and the thing that's also interesting, too, with that is this upcoming year, I know you and I have talked about this offline a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be as many as seven head coach openings. Seven or more, yeah. And at this point, can you name seven people that you would say you would want to be the head coach of, let's just even say, the Chicago Bears? So I actually am of the opinion this coaching cycle coming up is pretty deep. Like you and I have differing opinions on Brian Johnson, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, but Brent Johnson, Mike mm-hmm. McDonald. Three. Three. Um, I think Dan Quinn's going to get a job. Four. Because of everything he's done. Then you've uh, the Bobby Slowick, so you're at five. Five. And then you're. this is where you're going to start coming to the, well, the debatable ones, right? So, so now you have jump Harbaugh. Um, in other news, too, Harbaugh apparently is in talks with Michigan to be doing a contract extension, but those like, talks are not that far along. So take that yeah. grain of salt. Yeah. So that's six if you can include Harbaugh in that conversation. Harbaugh. And, and then, yeah, it's basically pick your poison. Do you like uh, the OC down in Miami? Do you like Brian Callahan from Cincinnati? Um, like there's a, there's a plethora of them. Brian Flores would be one I would – absolutely talk to a, a, a name that I'm higher on than most and I wouldn't hire him for the bears. I think Raheem Morris is exceptionally interesting. Raheem Morris. Yeah. Interesting name. I but think, so like you said, you got but, through what? So there, there's eight ish, nine ish people yeah. um, with five. You're more confident with maybe like four or so that you're like, eh, maybe with. And so just the point being with this cycle, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting names, but not as many, for sure, as there's, I feel like there's, in previous cycles. There's two superstar names this cycle. Yeah. It's Ben Johnson and it's McDonald. Which, it's funny that he's a defensive guy, but he's like a rock star candidate right now. Everyone wants a piece of McDonald. And so, once you like get through those kinds... Of, so, this might be finally the year that that he, he as in BNME, gets a job. I wish him all the best. He is not in my top like three right now. And that being said, too, quick sidebar, when it comes to most um, media members talking about head coaching hires, there's not, we don't know a lot. <laughs> All we can really base it off of is previous, you know, what was their record when they were a head coach before or what was what scheme do they run? Uh, the little that we know from when they've talked to the media, you know, if they're the offensive coordinator, when they've had to do their, you know, their talks on those certain days. But 
it's not like scouting a quarterback where you have film to go back to really. I mean, yes, you can look at Ben Johnson's film with Jared Goff, but like that doesn't tell you how he's going to be as a head coach. So if anyone tells you like, they know this guy's going to be the head coach or a good one, come on now. We don't know anything because all you can do is watch what they put on film with their current roster. And typically the guys who are getting looks as head coaches are heading the best defensive unit or the best offensive unit. So they've got the Jimmies and the Joes to execute their scheme. It's not like you're looking at, I don't know, like no one's really talking about Press Taylor anymore. There's a reason Luke Gessie's name is no longer really being thrown around. Yeah. There's a reason for that. And it's not like anyone's fault, but it's partially true. You're only going to talk about the units that are doing well. Like, would anyone care about Bobby Slowick if if CJ Stroud didn't go supernova as a rookie? No, no one would have cared. He, they no, would have been like, so well, he's, he's interesting, but he needs another year. He needs more time. And Bobby Slowick's going to probably get a job without trouble this offseason. I mean, yeah. And that's where the interviews come into play. And us as media, as fans, as however we want to look at it, we are not in the in that. We might You might hear whispers about certain things, but that's all they are. They're whispers. Uh, and that's that's all it is, right? I mean, think about um, when the Bears ended up hiring uh, Tressman, right, over Arians. You didn't hear until later the whole, oh, well, you know, Arians basically was poo-pooing the idea of doing the fake media press conference, and Tressman went ahead and did it fine. And that was a big part of the hiring process. Only the bears. Right, exactly. So, like, that, that was just a soapbox. Because, like, right now you have everyone who has their darling that they want to hire. And it's, like, based on what? There's – and you know what? At this point, like, I'm two for the last two of Bears hirings I wanted. I wanted Eberflus when it was clear Flores was out of the picture. And I really wanted Matt Nagy. Look how both of them turned out. It It's just the nature. It's all a guessing game. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, McDaniels would be as, as good as he is? Like, I, I wanted the Bears to interview him, but, I mean, I didn't think he'd be as great as he has been down and in let's Miami. let's be real here. Is he this supernova candidate that, or supernova coach now we're talking about if he doesn't have Waddle and Tyreek and Raheem Mostert, who's apparently found the fountain of youth despite being a pushing 30 running back? Come on, it's great scheme. It's fun. It's I have no qualms with McDaniel, the coach, but there's other things that go into it. 100%. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Next piece of news, Uh, Justin Fields talked. and when Justin talks, we listen. Uh, Herb Howard asked Justin Fields a really good question about his stats with the Bears after the season, factoring the team's draft position, QBs in the class, how his performance in the final five games might play into his future. And Justin had this to say. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I'll give you the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, life isn't fair. So me personally, I'm just focused on what I can control, and the rest is in God's hands. 
Really, you just put everything in God's hands and you know it's going to turn out good for you. Wherever, if I'm here next year, if I'm not, football doesn't define me who I am as a person. My happiness will still be in the same place, will still be in God. And really just football-wise, life stuff in general, I just my faith in God, my hope in God is just so much more than anything that can be thrown at me on this earth. Yeah, I mean, that's why I don't really stress over stuff like that, over stuff that I can't control. I'm going to be good. I'm very blessed in the position I'm in. And I think a million people would love to be in the position I am in right now. So really just, I'm not taking that for granted and just taking each and every moment I have every day up here to the fullest, slightly paraphrased. Um, Certainly sounds like a guy who knows he's on his way out of town, doesn't it? Sounds like a guy who is, I think he's confident in who he is. Confident in ultimately knowing that if it is the end, that he'll go somewhere, he'll have a chance somewhere else, and that he'll, and that's going to be a real opportunity. He's not going to go the Mitch Trubisky route where he's a one year backup in Buffalo, right? He's not going to be out of the league. I think we, we, we know at this point, at the bare minimum, he's what, a top 18 quarterback or so in the NFL, top 16 in that realm ish. I mean, look at how many quarterbacks are starting right now. You'd start him over. There's a, there's a good chunk. So exactly. And I mean, it makes me sad. And I've put the fields era in hospice a couple times. I think that's just kind of him. He's confident in his ability. He's confident in himself as a man, all these other things. But I think it's kind of just the realization that he could do everything in his power at this point, And he doesn't control the Panthers pick. Right. I think there's something to that. Like he could go off these last five games and it might just not matter. Because there's other things at play. We've talked about that, right? In theory, if you're Ryan Poles and you're sitting there and you're interviewing, Matt Eberflus is gone, you're interviewing new candidates. In theory, you're asking, I have two questions for you. All right. What do you think of Justin Fields? What do you think of some of these, uh, you know, rookie, these incoming quarterbacks? What would you mm-hmm. do if Justin was the quarterback? What would you do if Drake Bay, if Caleb Williams was a quarterback? And you're taking in all that information. And ultimately, if they decide to hire a coach that is just gung ho, that Hey, Justin's unfixable. I want a rookie, and I know I can. You know, we can do magic things. It, it doesn't matter. Then they're going to go with the rookie. But the same thing could mm-hmm. be said the other way. It's less likely. But if Harbaugh comes in, I keep saying Harbaugh this this whole podcast. I don't know why he's not even like my top five. Um, if Harbaugh same comes in Dan- here and he's like, I want a veteran. I I like the idea of a what you know I did with. Let's see what I did with Colin Kaepernick. I like a mobile quarterback. Look where the league's moving to. I would rather you spend that draft capital on insert name here yeah i mean it's highly it's not highly likely but it is a plausible like outcome if that's the way they go like i would picture a retread defensive coordinator like quinn or raheem morris maybe be maybe more of that mindset but who's to say i i would venture a guess if we're probably going to see him in atlanta or pittsburgh or something next year that's still the the most likely scenario I'm just going to enjoy the five games of Justin we have. Yeah, I would like enjoy. to see him get just get better we're, just for the sake of getting better. Yeah, we're, we're both in agreement. First at the party, last at the future. None of us, neither of us want him gone, but at a certain point you got to kind of stack your odds and you got to kind of be realistic about it. And especially with how the game against Minnesota went, the just the – it wasn't like he was bad, but he wasn't – he wasn't what you wanted him to be. We've said that since forever now, that mm-hmm. really ever since he came back from the injury, 
he was going to have to be pretty near damn perfect in order mm-hmm. to, to, to change minds of, and as at the end of the day too, I think you and I sometimes get bogged down with hearing certain voices consistently mm-hmm. because, because those voices don't matter, right? The voice, the only ones that matter are the ones in house hall and they might have a different viewpoint than we do. And then if that's the case, there's going to be some very annoyed people. Sure. Um, concussed corner. This is where we look back on something from last game, or in this case, potentially even just this bye week. Uh, decision so odd that the decision maker may be concussed. What do you got, Danny? Just why did you stay with the wide receiver damn screens over and over? And I get that you saw other teams do it. And that's how you kind of attack a zero blitz heavy scheme like Brian Flores does. But good God, man, take a shot downfield. Like make them at least respect it. They were rallying and tackling very well. And I get, I truly understand that sometimes Justin holds the ball. And he did it last, he had like a 3.5 second time to throw against the Viking. I get it. I totally have understanding of that. But when you just keep throwing, horizontally or behind the line of scrimmage. What do you think is going to happen when you don't really have a bunch of rack wide receivers, like aside from DJ Moore? Like I just, it wasn't the first play of the damn game, a screen to Cole Komet. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. I've relented on my Cole Komet hate. He's a perfectly serviceable NFL tight end. And I was wrong about him being anything more than a tight end too. Okay. That's fine. Yay, finally. But, this is Col- hey, hold on real quick. Cole Komet. Right, you may continue your point. But good God, man. Like, he's not he's not a tight end screen guy. He's not oh, so weak. <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, but that's it. It just, what was it, 17 screens or something they threw? Like, just, okay, cool. And at first I thought it was like a rhythm thing. Like, cause he completed what 12 of his first 13 passes. Like good. You're trying to get mm-hmm. Justin in a rhythm. You're trying to make him start feeling himself a little bit. Cause we know he is a rhythm player, but here we are just going to keep trying that. Huh? <laughs> well, it's like in remember the Titans when uh, Denzel Washington's character coach Boone, right? He goes like, I run six plays split veer. It's like, no, can just give it time. It always works. It always works. <laughs> I just feel like that's kind of where it was at, where it was, it was pretty clear. Getsy doesn't trust Justin to be able to get the ball out on time with routes where you have to go one, two, three, as they're going downfield. I think you also saw the few times that they did do that. Yes, there were times where there were open receivers. There were other times where the spacing was weird or the separation wasn't necessarily where you want it to be. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I wish you could almost have two separate stat- like stats. I wish you could have just you know time to throw as you as you do, but also split it time to throw within the pocket. Like, I'm curious what that number would be, because with Justin, whether it's good or not, he does scramble so much. That's always going to extend your time to throws. But when you just say 3.5 seconds, it makes it sound like he was literally standing in the pocket for 3.5 yeah, it, seconds Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a disingenuous number. But it's still a problem. Let's obviously it is. that it get is. that straight. Um, yeah, so it's it's odd. I kind of get it, but there's other ways you can beat the Blitz, too, besides just throwing screens. Luke Getzey disagrees. Very <laughs> much so. Uh, my concussed corner. So I'm going to read some stats here. Right. Uh, Darnell Mooney, 
uh, with, had four, one, five, two receptions in games with Tyson Bajan. He had five, four, six, four targets in those games with Tyson Bajan. He had four, zero, four, zero, two, one, two uh, catches in games with Justin and seven, one, four, four, three, one, three targets in those games. So there is obviously a difference. Um, sometimes it's as much as three, sometimes it's as little as one. But I say all this because there is a difference, but I don't know that it's clearly hefty enough of a discrepancy to be statistically significant. I say that because there's a lot of people out there, and obviously we're so far from knowing what this is ultimately going to be, but there's some people out there who are saying that drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. is almost pointless if you were to keep Justin Fields because Justin can't get through his reads to Darnell Mooney, so how could he get to Marvin Harrison Jr.? That essentially it'd be a pick em between who's going to get more uh, targets this game is going to be DJ Moore, is it going to be Marvin Harrison Jr.? I know it's only comparing Justin to Tyson, but that's all we really have in the context of Darnell Mooney this year. But that's just kind of been Mooney's targets and receptions for the most part. He hasn't been all that productive, even mm-hmm. though he's been open for at times for both quarterbacks. That being said, how often have we heard people rallying? Why does DJ Moore not get like 10 targets every single game? Why does Cole Komet not get more targets? Like he, he had a bunch in this game, but not in this game. There's only so many targets to go around in the mm-hmm. passing game, and someone ultimately is going to have to suffer for it, especially when you are such a heavy run team. That's that's and, and, and all, eh, that's it. That, that's the problem. So, so I think there's a few things at work here. It's the run heavy. It's the more run heavy scheme in comparison to other teams in the NFL. It is Justin's inability to get through reads times in comparison to Tyson Bajan. It can also be just. As much as Mooney and Justin are BFF, I remember I bounced it off of a few people, you included, leading into the season. Justin might just need a receiver who gives him a little more room for error. Like, unless you're putting it on Darnell, he's not going to be able to make a play, really. That's not his game. Take the Commander's game uh, last year. Where he, like, Darnell had that, uh, it was to to win the game, the, the touchdown that he couldn't catch. Yeah, it's like, it's just, he might just need these bigger bodied guwagi or go up and get it, however you want to say it, wide receivers who give him a little more room for play. Like, and I get it. Well, if you need those receivers, you might not be the best quarterback, uh, the best thrower of the football. Well, yeah, we kind of know that though. There are certain guys that need certain things to help them. Some guys need separators. Some guys need ball winners. Some guys need whatever it might be to help them be, be the player they're meant to be. It's not, it's not necessarily making him a bad player. He's just deficient in a certain area. Cause what, like it or not, athletes are flawed. Like It's just the nature of it. DJ Moore is a ball winning wide receiver. Cole Komet at certain points can box out and be a ball winning tight end, especially in the red zone when he's able to use his six, seven, 265 pound frame, whatever he is. Darnell Mooney's five eleven, a buck 70 or buck 80, whatever he is. He's not an exceptionally big man who who is going to be able to box out or go up and get a pass. It's just not who, is, who he is. It's not his game. He's a fine NFL wide receiver. We know that. He's probably more of a high low-end two, high-end third option and a good offense. But it doesn't make him necessarily a fit with the current style of quarterback. That's all. 
it's, it is a little frustrating too, because when you went back to the beginning of last year or even the year before that, Justin was hitting Darnell. He was mm -hmm. getting through reads. He was attacking the middle of the field, but he just has not been able to do that this year. And it's interesting as to why. It almost reads like he was, it was coached out of him. Right. So part of me, I've said it a few times. I almost wish Justin had some Jay Cutler in him where the read says it's supposed to be here. F it. I'm going to throw it anyway. Like just it's, it's okay to let it rip. Like you've got, especially when you've got the arm talent he has, like just at a certain point, just let it rip. And I think that might've in a way been coached out of him because they were trying so hard to quote unquote, fix him and fix his deficiencies rather than just embracing what he is. And that could be a defensive head coach thing because it was there his rookie year under Nagy. Yeah. Under Nagy, he, he was just letting it fly. I mean, that's Steelers. He, yeah, he, but he just doesn't do it anymore. Like, the guy has to be wide open for him to rip it. And it's a very frustrating occurrence. And, and one of the reasons I highlight that, too, is I'm not sitting here pounding the table right now to keep Justin. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not sitting here pounding mm -hmm. the table to draft Marvis and Harrison Jr. number one. I do think if you have an opportunity to get him, it wouldn't be bad. Um, that being said, I think one of the, one of the paths that isn't talked about enough to success, sustain success in the NFL is the Eagles 49ers thought process, right? They built good teams and then they were able to plunk a quarterback in different ways, right? Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy, uh, Mr. Relevant. We all know this. It's hard to try to go and get one of these top like number one, number two overall pick quarterbacks, because you're probably not a great team. Hence why you're able to get them. I mean, the bears are in a slightly different position, obviously because it's the Panthers pick, but, and then put them on a team that doesn't have a ton of talent that has a bunch of holes and then try to build that around them, which essentially was happening to Justin. Right. So I guess to me, I'm just trying to highlight another path that if you were to roll with Justin for another year or two, you don't even necessarily have to have to have to extend him. You go and you use the, the draft capital to make your team better. Could you then find a not Patrick Mahomes level quarterback, but a Jalen Hurts to Brock Purdy level quarterback in a future draft and insert them into a better team? I don't see why you couldn't, but it's just, it's a harder, it's just, mo most people tell you is that it's a harder path because you don't find these later on quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are typically taken in the top five ish, 10 ish. Area. Who would you say right now are the top three, five quarterbacks in the league? Uh, Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, and you're gonna Josh Allen. Sure. So like, Burrow was the first quarterback, number one pick in that draft. Mm -hmm. Herbert was seventh, I think. In I think that the draft. seventh pick, the third quarterback taken, right? Mm -hmm. After Tua, uh, you said Allen. Allen was taken. Also third in terms of quarterbacks? Third, but I think he was like a top. He was a top 10 pick. Top yeah, 10 sure. pick, yeah. Pretty sure. Um, who else? Did you say? Mahomes, he was the third quarterback taken. Third, third, and 13th pick famously, I think. Pick. Yeah. So while all of those people, besides Burrow, right? We should submit three more. I guess I'm just trying to say that I'll, clearly oh, you don't and have if to you have... want my, if, if you want my fifth, it's Lamar. Lamar's oh, Lamar, and he was... 32nd, 32nd, because can, the Ravens went back up and got him. Right. 
So how often truly, at least in today's NFL, is the first quarterback taken, especially if they're taken at number one, end up be, being the dude? I don't think we've seen it, that. As- it, it doesn't happen. And that's why people, but, but you got to understand there's no room for nuance in these conversations. It's you have so take- frustrating. It's like, I love to be in the middle, which is kind of an asshole thing to do. I'm not, I'm not, I understand <laughs> that, but like, that's life though. Life is the middle. <laughs> why you don't have to no, live on either just, extreme. No, we live in black and white. There's no shades of gray friend. Oh, it's so, it's so frustrating. It um, is. And, it's like one of those things, like how many times do we have to have the conversation, the amount of arguments I've already been in because I don't have Drake or I don't have Caleb Williams, number one. And I probably won't. I still need to parse through uh, more f- any, I've done very little film work. I'm busy and da da da. Currently as things sit, I also currently have Drake May as my one and Caleb as my two. And I uh, would, just because I like to stir the pot. It's closer between Jaden and Caleb than you like to think it is. Just because I like to be that guy. Someone is gonna someone's gonna draft him in the top ten. The you know what? I'll just say how many times have we seen a guy at any level go for over almost four hundred passing yards and over two hundred rushing yards on his own? Like just doing what he wants because he can. Well, and obviously, yes, you can talk about how like I mean, he's yeah, got I some mean, really good weapons and all that crud around him, but like, still, he's still doing special stuff. He's gonna win the Heisman. Like, again, I'm not saying he is better than than Caleb. I won't get that part, but he it's closer than, in my personal opinion, it's closer than you like to think. But I'm also Jaden Stan, probably number one from his freshman year at Arizona State. Totally fair. All right, time for a quick break here, and then we'll get into previewing this game. All right, training room roundup. This is where we're going to talk about some of the injuries that the Bears have, in this case, that the Lions have, their impact on the game. And then after that, we're going to do some previews work. So, boom, here we go. It's funny because Eberflus, I think, was just as early as, what, was it yesterday or the day before? Mm-hmm. was talking about how healthy the team was and how everything was great. And then now all of a sudden, you know, Mercedes Lewis doesn't count. He always gets his rest day. But Yannick Ngakwe was limited with the knee issue. Academia St. Brown has a pec issue and didn't participate as well. Uh, he didn't participate. Yannick was limited. Those are two decently important pieces, are they not? <laughs> it is. It's just I always got to chuckle when we talk about how EQ St. Brown is a important piece, but he he legitimately is. <laughs> just that he's a sure-handed guy that if Justin does get to that third, fourth read, he'll catch the ball, and he's pretty important in that run game. He's easily your best blocking skill position player. Easily. And then, of course, you know, Yannick has, has created some more pressures with Montez Sweat being there. It's been great. I mean, he's even gotten, you know, some more sacks as well. Uh, missing Yannick would be frustrating when you have an offensive line that's as good as the Lions. Uh, that being said, if we do quickly kind of scooch down a little bit, Frank Ragnow did miss the last two practices with apparently the entire body, um, knee, back, toe, all hurt. Besides him, he's really the only one of note. But, I mean, if you do know Yannick's not going to go against a backup center, but with this uh, deep, uh, sorry, this Detroit offensive line being a little banged up, it'd be nice to have a full you know defensive line to go after. It would be. It would be especially nice just because the defense has been playing well. Oh, and Tyreek Stevenson has been a full participant 
uh, the last couple of practices. Definitely big. Um, what is your thought on the Terrell Smith, Tyreek Stevenson front? Is, did Terrell Smith do enough that he should get more snaps just as kind of a test? Is, is it Tyreek's job? And thanks for your service, Terrell. I think it's Tyreek's job just because of the pedigree and the, the age thing. Like he's still younger than than uh than Brown is. It's just why can't it be both? Why can't it be both? Like it's nice to have both of them. Like he's he's still gonna play a lot, like or not a lot, but a fair amount of snaps when you gotta get Jalen off the field or you gotta Kyler gets nicked up or whatever might happen. But like it's not it's a nice problem to have like is, yeah. especially because there's no guarantee as much as I would like Jalon back like there's no guarantee he's coming back because if you tag him you're setting his price market and they don't they clearly don't want him at that price gun to your head do you think Jalen Johnson's a bear in 2024 at this moment I would probably say no as much as I would like him to be and I'm I'm a big Jalen Smith Jalen Johnson fan. It's just I at a certain point you want to be paid that way. And as great as the pass breakups and stuff are, at a certain point, you want to be a playmaker. You got to get those pick sixes. You got three of them dropped in two weeks. Like you you, you gotta make those plays if you want those bit that big time money. It's it's been such a weird couple of weeks for him because it's like he's almost played so well that he may be pricing himself out of the Bears conversation, but at the same time, not playing well enough with those impact plays to get the bears to come up to the number because like when you look at the pass rating against him, when you look at the pass breakups, you look at all those like advanced stats, they're all there. It's just, you can't, he's not, he's just not intercepting it. It's funny. Cause it's like, everyone's kind of echoing the same thing, be it Alex Brown or Lance Briggs on the post game show, or I listen to the full go podcast with Jason Goff every time there's an episode kind of thing. And they are all saying the same thing at a certain point, like to quote, to quote Jason Goff, you got to make those plays play. Like that's just, that's what it comes down to. Like, and he just, he hasn't done it yet. He is not. Um, it, it's frustrating, but we will, we'll see what this uh, secondary can do against this Lions offense that found its footing a little bit against the Saints, but now our uh, knee jerk reactions. What do you got? Knee jerk reaction. Oof. I just want to oh, go back to this. One thing I forgot to say really quick. Um, the Lions did place Aleem McNeil on injured reserve. Uh, forgot that's about big. that, which is a really, 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 really big. He had the second highest sack rate and second highest tackle for loss rate of any defender on the team. The Lions have struggled to find someone that can really consistently play on the defensive line outside of, of McNeil and Hutch. So, like, you're really going to need some other people to step up, and that might really help the Bears out in this situation. Sorry, go ahead. No, my knee-jerk reaction in, in regards to the upcoming game is going to just be you really need to embrace throwing the ball a little more downfield. Like that's what Justin does well passing wise, like open it up. I know you, we, we say it again, cut the field in half, make it two reads for one of the reads is going deep or you can just check it down. Like, I, I don't know why he's so allergic to the middle of the field at this point in his career, but he just refuses to do anything in, in there in that area, but use the run to set up the deep shot and really just try to work to the strengths of Justin, you do the design quarterback runs, your options, your RPOs, your quarterback powers, and and set up the run to, to maybe try to set to get him deep. Justin tore this defense up the last time they met. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to do it again. It, it sucks when the 
strengths of your quarterback don't necessarily match the MO of the coaching staff, at least in my opinion. Um, right now, right, their goal is to win games and to win. And at the end of the day, I think Iberflus is a bit of, is pretty conservative. And whether Luke gets he's conservative or he's told to coach conservatively, um, that's, I think, what we've seen. I mean, I think the Minnesota game highlights that. I think the th- fourth quarter of the Lions game highlights that. And it's playing to not lose versus playing to win. And the way Justin operates, you have it's an aggressive play to win style. So hopefully at some point that meshes a little better. Good luck. Uh, my knee jerk reaction, we kind of already talked about this, but Justin has to be the reason that the Bears win and either win comfortably or he leads a game winning drive if he has any inclination to be a Bear in 2024, which again doesn't have the highest chances. But you know, essentially, if this game was happening on Thanksgiving and it was Bears versus Lions, like he needs to be the one that's eating the turkey leg at the end, and you're and you're celebrating. It can't be, it can't be Cairo Santos. It can't be a different <laughs> player. It's it's, it's got to be Joseph Fields. Uh, I agree. It, you and I kind of got to the same place, regardless of how we said it. Like I was saying, embrace the running game and aspects of Justin to make him better. And you just said Justin has to be the reason. It's just different different routes to the same answer. Uh, to be a perfectly honest, something brutally honest, mine is the defense has been awesome over the last few weeks. Let's be real. They have also played against some softer offenses, but, you know, they have something to prove in this game. Uh, they allowed 17 points in the fourth quarter in the last matchup against the Lions. You can't, if you're going to be a legit defense, if your head coach slash defensive coordinator has really made strides, you cannot let up 17 points. You just can't. Agreed. Uh, my to be a perfectly honest is going to be the offensive line has been playing better. Center issues be damned. They have been better. It's not negotiable anymore. When you, when you have that, your running game has to be, has to be consistent and Justin has to stop taking off from clean pockets because he is still doing it. I know it's not always fair. It's not always on him, but you, you, when you have the protection and when you have that line playing the way it is, again, center issues be damned. It's time to start doing things with consistency on offense. It's very frustrating to see the issues still arise. And I know part of it is Getsy just not remembering things that work is okay to go back to the well on. But that's my my honest take on it. Did you watch the L22? This specific – of this specific game, I did not have a chance to know, not with getting the nursery together. One thing that was really frustrating, and I, so I agree with you that the line has been so much better than it was during, like, let's say the first four games uh, when Justin was, was starting. But one thing that was so frustrating multiple times were some of the line calls or basically how the line decided to block certain pressures, where you'd have an instance where there was a defensive end standing over the top of one, one of the tackles. And both Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright did this. And, you know, they would slide to the, let's say it was Braxton Jones, he would slide to the left to block a blitzer, but leave the defensive end open. And then the guard at the time, the one play I'm thinking of in particular was Cody Whitehair when Jenkins went out for a little bit. And Jenkins went to the right, and this defensive end had just a free run right at Justin. And that happened multiple times, not just in this game, in previous games. So while, yes, there are times where Justin is eking out of a, a cleaner pocket, I also have a hard time fully blaming him when you no, have your center getting his lunch taken when you have a defensive end running free like big should be on big that that should be a base rule and for some reason mm-hmm. more often than not that's not happening and i don't get if that's a coach are they being coached that way or is there mental mistakes i'm not sure which yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it was more prevalent against Flores just because Flores doesn't give a damn. He's gonna do whatever he wants to to hell or hot, come hell or high water. And I'm I'm with you. I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying Justin is completely at fault. I'm just saying on the times you are getting a clean pocket, he's still bailing. Like yeah. so, it's it's got to be a balance of both. That's all I was getting at. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, ain't this humorous? Something quirky or funny? Uh, mine was in the last three games. So uh, Chicago, Green Bay, and the Saints. Jared Goff's role seems to have shifted. Uh, against the Bears, right, he had those three interceptions. Against Green Bay, he had three fumbles. The Saints, he actually was pretty clean. In the games against the Bears and the Packers, he had 35 and 44 passing attempts. Against the Saints, the game plan changed, and he only had 25 passing attempts with 16 completions. So at least with that limited statistical trend, to me, it was kind of like, eh, Jared, we're not going to have you throw the ball quite as much. Well, we're going to keep it safe on the ground. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I know for all the talk of like his interception streak and how he's developed as a passer, I was one of the few people in the back of my hand up like, hey, Jared Goff is still Jared Goff, guys. You're never winning because he's your quarterback. But, you know, I got rocks thrown at me because I don't believe in Jared Goff. I think you can, I think two things can be true. I think you can get better and still be the same guy you've always been, which is when you pressure him, when you make him uncomfortable, you put him under duress, he's going to be an ATM. He's going to give you the football. And I think it's just proving out to be the same thing again. Yeah. And I just think it's funny. It looks like Ben Johnson kind of may have seen that a little bit and said, we're not going to give you the ball quite as much. Yep. Uh, My ain't this humorous is despite the hot start for the Detroit lions defense, I believe it's since week week three, they are 31st in the NFL in defensive efficiency metrics per down. Hmm. They aren't just bad. They are horrendous. And it is hilarious, giving, given how much money they invested into the secondary over the offseason, all the capital they put into their defensive line between Hutch and the other defensive lineman, I believe, who was out of North Carolina State last year who came on late. I forget his name. He's a defensive. I think think they drafted him late because he was hurt at NC State, I want to say it was, coming out. And then he came back later in the season and had a handful of sacks to end the season last year. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. I might be wrong on the school, but I'm going purely off memory there. Pascal. Um, It might be Pascal. Was he not NC State? Oh, I couldn't. uh, I have no idea. Regardless, I think I'm that's sure very funny. About the combine is really cool. But regardless, I think it's a pretty interesting uh, occurrence that I found funny. That for despite the hot start and all the play that Aaron Glenn was getting, as he's this next head coaching candidate, he's this, he's that, he's the other. Once they got two or three weeks of film on him and his new scheme, trying to do the Vic Fangio, Sean Desai, whatever it might be, those sort of schemes, and realize that's probably not his bread and butter and they were like all right well we're going to attack this now the way we think we should it's kind of regressed pretty well to the other not even regressed to the mean it's gone to the other end of the spectrum is Aiden Hutchinson overrated he's got five and a half sacks on the year and I think it only won over the last three games or is it just the rest of the defense isn't doing enough so can it can it be somewhere there there in the middle because I believe Aiden Hutchinson's really good but I don't believe he's elite, if that makes sense. Like, I think yeah. Hutchison is a lot in the vein of 
these high effort edge rushers. The motor on him is wild. The, yeah, like the just don't quit. But he's not winning with like bend and speed and just beating your ass off the snap. He's he's an effort player. He's much more akin to almost like the way I would describe Montez Sweat versus I don't know who's your elite edge rusher right now. Like even Daniil Hunter, who's I believe leading the league in sacks, and it's just like he's winning every which way. It's not all just effort and cleanup which there's nothing wrong with. You can live that way and make a really great living. Trey Hendrickson lives this way too. The This effort and effort and effort. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And eventually you're just going to be rewarded because you're, you don't stop. But I'm not, I don't think he's like some sort of unbelievable edge rusher who's the reason why you, you set up a defensive game or an offensive game plan to stop someone. No. Yeah. I was just like thinking, I was looking back as I was, I was doing the research for, for this pod and, I remember a call that happened in the game with the Bears and Lions, and they were talking about you know, a, you know, the upcoming superstar Aiden Hutchinson. And I looked and I was like, that that sack that I mean, they got a sack on that play. That's why they're talking about it uh, against Justin Fields. But like, that was the one sack in the last three games. He got five and a half over this this whole year. Like, that's not rising superstar. That's serviceable edge. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of who, like T.J. Watt is up there, um, like. I know Khalil Mack's numbers this year are boosted heavily by one game, but Nick Bosa, he's not Nick Bosa. Like he's not, he's not TJ Watt. He, he's not these guys. Like, I don't even know if he's Max Crosby. Is he like, no, he's, I mean, Max Crosby's also one of those effort dudes to be honest, but he's effort with like more juice. If that makes sense. And he's also on the field, like 95% of snaps. He doesn't get off the fucking field. <laughs> Where was Aiden draft? Which which round? What suppose he drafted? He was first round, Number second two. pick. Yeah, second pick. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily that whole. Yeah, the this... whole edge was weird. Walker was number one that year, and he's been fine. Thibodeau, I think, was in that draft too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a weird edge draft. Um. All right, moving on. So I did not realize Khalil Mack had fifteen sacks. <laughs> But if that's the thing, though, it's like one or two games <laughs> is like most of those sacks. But he still he still got fifteen, which is wild. Yeah, on a shitty defense. Uh-huh. Oh, jo- jo- Josh Allen, Miles Garrett. There's your other one that I was. That Miles Garrett, who's doing crossover moves in front of offensive guards before sacking the quarterback earlier in the year. We will see next week. God bless. Love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. Section where Dan and I go through a matchup that we love, we hate, that's something that we'd fix for this upcoming game. What do you love? Uh, I'm pretty sure you and I are going to have something very similar. I love Justin's matchup against his defense in general. He torched them last time. He's torched them two of the last three times they've met. The, the, the one withstanding the end of the season last year where I don't know if the Bears were particularly interested in being there. I think they were just trying to get home kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But just everything he does well, the, how bad the defense is in, in, in Carolina, or not Carolina, in Detroit. And I just love how it matches up and how they can really attack them because they don't stop the run well either. Their linebackers are putrid in in Detroit. And I believe that's after spending a first-round pick on Jack Campbell coming out, yep. of, out of Iowa as well. So can't be the first-round linebacker this day and age and not be racking up tackles. I just think they needed to do something besides bring back 
Anzalone. I don't understand their infatuation with him. I don't know if it's hair, his hair or what, but like, I like Malcolm Rodriguez better. I wish he was, if I was a Lions fan, I'd want him as my linebacker over Anzalone. Uh, uh, I would as well. The one thing I remember even watching him at OK State is Malcolm Rodriguez understands football geometry. It sounds so stupid because I know he's not the best athlete, but he understands it. Like there's something to be said to understanding angles and pursuit routes and filling your own gap and all that stuff. But for some reason, they've got a weird affinity for Anzalone. Um, my love, uh, kind of similar to yours, is the Bears' r- rushing offense specifically against this Lions rushing defense. Okay. As you mentioned, the yeah. rushing defense for the Lions has not been good. Uh, before the game against the Bears, the Lions defense only allowed over 100 yards rushing once. In weeks 11 through 13, they allowed 183, which was to the Bears, 109 and 119 yards. So I would expect that to continue in this game. I would be, agree with you. I think that's a very possible, if not likely, outcome for the rushing offense. Does questions just keep popping in my head? Does Khalil Herbert get more run this game? Because he had like twenty-four yards in the, he, the last game. Yeah, he should, shouldn't he? Like, especially with Deontay Foreman still on the mend from his ankle, and I don't know if they want to necessarily rush him back, kind of thing. Like. And he is more explosive and offers more of a pure runner than Deontay, or not Deontay, but Roshan does. I would imagine you want him to get more carries. I would but think so. I especially because, no, isn't his ankle good? Like, didn't we hear his ankle is just fine? I think high ankle is one of those weird ones where you you can play, but you just lack a little bit of pop still. Um, okay. You see, you, you see that a lot where it's like, yeah, I can run, but like my cut is just half a second slower, you know? So it's just not exactly where you want it to be. I also think game plan was a factor last week just because of all the screens, because of the mm-hmm. need for the running back to be able to pass block, but also leak out as a receiver. And Roshan just does both those those things better. And the other thing that, uh, that I've mentioned a few times on this show, and I know you have as well, is just the trust factor. When you come back from an, an injury that's pretty significant like that, you got to trust your leg, your, your ankle again. You got to be able to almost get twisted down and, and fallen on and pop up and realize I'm okay. Like yeah. it's, it doesn't hurt anymore. And that's so much of rehab is the coming back mentally from it. 100%. Um, my hate was the Bears linebacking core against Amon Ross St. Brown. It shouldn't ever happen, but we saw times when St. Brown was matched on Bears linebackers, especially in the red zone. It's just kind of what happens with this defense uh, because you're not playing man up, so you don't get your corners on a guy like him. And St. Brown is just going to always, I don't, you're going to make your linebackers look silly. It's And he did that multiple times in a game against the Bears, even if it was more late in the third and fourth quarter. And I would expect that to continue and for them to try to get him involved very quick early. I think he only had two catches against the Saints, and that's just very odd. Um, mine actually involved the Bears linebackers as well. It was Jameer Gibbs in space and Sam Laporta because both of those rookies have been nothing if not short of fantastic, especially in the passing game, their weapons for Jared Goff to kind of be given safety blankets for. Laporta's a star. Like, that guy's awesome. And Jameer Gibbs is electric. And the sooner Ben Johnson figures out to stop giving the ball to David Montgomery and give it to the guy who's who's running four four out of Alabama more regularly, like it if might they be wait a- until after this year because I have Monty on a couple fantasy teams. That'd be great. <laughs> I don't think Ben Johnson cares about your fantasy team. Oh damn it! Um, rehabilitate. 
This one should be obvious, but so I kind of combined two together. Um, Justin Fields turnovers and lack of explosive plays. Uh, Justin, you can't fumble the ball on two consecutive drives when you're trying to win the game. Pretty straight up. Um, and then the Bears rank 29th in pass plays over 25 yards with only 13. So that goes back to our previous point where you got to let Justin throw the ball downfield because that's where he feels the most in rhythm. I mean, the fact you have over the entirety of the year, only 13 plays that were over 25 yards. I'm sure like what, three, four of those were against the commanders with Mm -hmm. the DJ Moore plays. You got to create some more explosive stuff because it's not really coming from your run game. Your run game is good, but it hasn't been getting giant chunks and you're clearly, you haven't been doing it in the past game. Um, Well, that was some combination there of mine. Um, But I would say, just going back to just to be different and have something else to talk about. The rehab is basically how you finish the fourth quarter defensively the first time against Detroit versus now change it. Don't go. I get inherently this is a soft zone defense, et cetera, et cetera. At a certain point though, stop with the, the big, you know, prevent stuff and like keep attacking, keep your pedal to the metal. These are grown men. This is NFL football. This isn't low-end college. This isn't high school where you got to worry about someone's feelings. They're all getting paid millions of dollars. This is their job. At a certain point, it's okay to embarrass somebody. And it's like they – I feel like they almost like took their foot off the gas Yeah, defensively last their last matchup. 100%. Um, and it's a mentality thing. I, I think that's true for most sports, right? Mm-hmm. It's If you were being told, all right, we're going to run this particular defense, your goal is, hey, just slow them down as much as you can. We're just going to try to milk the clock that's going to permeate. And then all of a sudden when it's time to get a stop, it's hard to flip that switch back on. Mm-hmm. What's your X factor for the Detroit lions? It's Amon Ra, right? It's gotta be like, I understand golf is the one who's in charge of distributing the football, but Amon Ra is good for at least, it feels like six or seven catches every week. And I could be wrong, but it just feels like that's what he does. And he, he's a tough receiver. He's like, to quote Nate Tice, he's a power slot despite being this littler, more diminutive wide receiver in comparison to other guys on the team. And, oh yeah. and if he is just wreaking havoc in the middle of the field on your linebackers, especially because Tremaine Edmonds is not what he's billed to be. He is not a good coverage linebacker. He's not a good run-stopping linebacker. He's a freak athlete who cleans up. Like, I don't know what else he is. I mean, there's your $18.5 million investment, Bears fans. He's just playing cleanup crew. But, yeah, he could make your life very long and very hard this coming weekend. No pun intended. Um, My X factor was production from someone not named Gibbs St. Brown Montgomery. Uh, Right now, that's because, yes, I think think St. Brown's going to get his. I think Gibbs is going to get his. Monty's going to get his. Uh, well, the last time that the Bears and Lions played, Sam Laporta, who we just talked about how good he is, he had only three receptions for 18 yards. So, you know, eight in a, in a long of eight. Uh, after St. Brown, what receiver is going to step up? You know, is a Khalif Raymond going to do it? Is Williams finally going to wake up and be more than – he had like a touchdown last week, but I think it was on an end around. It was on an orbit motion, yeah. So it's like – who outside of those three is really going to be the one that, you know, as a Bears fan, in theory, you're throwing your hand up and like, why is that guy open? Because so far, they they really haven't had that in the last couple of weeks. This is totally going to be a Khalif Raymond game, isn't it? 
the, the Khalif Raymond Bowl. Yeah, probably. Um, X Factor for the Bears. Uh, fourth quarter stability from Justin. If you look at yeah. the Bears QB rating, so this is including Tyson Bajan as well, uh, in the fourth quarter, they rank 32nd. So dead last with a uh, passer rating of 49.2. Justin does pretty good in the first. He does fine the second and third. And then fourth quarter, he, he as, long, as well as Tyson Bajan have just not been able to, to do it. So multiple factors in that. Obviously, play calling, offensive coordinator is going to be a part of that. Uh, the aggressiveness that you need to be showing is going to be a part of that. But ultimately, Justin is the one delivering the ball. I agree wholeheartedly with that X factor. I wish I was smart enough to come up with that, but I am not, sadly. Um, my X factor was actually um, ball control coupled with with gashing runs. If you can just keep the Detroit offense off the field, it's very hard for them to do what they're good at. It's like I get it's a boring thing. It's not the most hyper-efficient way of running a football team at this point in the NFL era we exist in, but you almost have to win ugly. Ball control, gashing them on offense, Khalil Herbert coming back to life a little bit, Roshan Johnson, utilizing your quarterback run game to keep the other team off the field and letting your defense stay fresh. I think that matters this game. It's going to be huge. Uh, speaking of Khalil Herbert, over-unders, the very first one I have for you is Khalil Herbert rushing yards, over-under 40. That's hard because he could do that in one run. <laughs> Yet he had 24 against the Vikings. I'll do. I'll go over on that one. I think he's going to be a bigger part of the game plan this week. I would imagine. I think, like you said, it's going to be very heavy in the run game, alternating between him and Roshan, and hopefully um, into the play action and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, Detroit Lions sacks over under two and a half. My gut says over, but my heart says under. I'm going to go with over. Justin's going to run into one or something like that, and they're going to get home on another one or something. It's going to be close. It'll probably be like three. Like, because, but yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be anything astronomical, but probably three is the number. Three um, feels right. <laughs> Justin Fields' passer rating over under 90. He's been consistently at or above 90, I feel like, most of the year. Like, outside of the first three or three weeks or so, where he was just brutal. So I'll say over, especially because it feels like they're going to try to make him high efficiency again, where he's just throwing screens and stuff like that. I hope that's not the case, but I feel like go for a slant route or two. That'd be nice. He's got to rip it, man. He's called. It's been called. He's got to rip it. Absolutely. Uh, for a little context, uh, Justin had a pass rating of one hundred five point two against the Lions and eighty seven point three against the Vikings. So yeah, it's clear. It's I feel like ninety is a good number. Aiden Hutchinson sacks, 0.5. He'll get one. It'll be like the cleanup one where Justin goes to run away and he'll just run into the waiting arms of Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> then he does his Billy Jean dance. Um, Montez Sweat quarterback hits over under three and a half. Over slightly because he's been getting close a lot, I feel like. Now, I don't know what the numbers are, what the first pressures and hits off the top of my head, I'm not sure if you have him in front of you, but I feel like he's getting there a lot. And he had what two sacks against Minnesota itself. So I believe so. Either that or one and a half. Yeah, they might have taken half of one away from him. But yeah, it was I think he's gonna get about four of them. Four or five. And then last over under DJ Moore targets, eight and a half. 
under because I think they're going to try to spread the ball around this game to with their little quick hitter passing game. Wee. And, and I think someone in the comments said something about they haven't used screens a bunch against Lions in the past. And it's like, I mean, first of all, we have three Lions games for contact, so it's not exactly like a total ton of information. And number two, like when we, we just mean quick, short passes. Basically that Justin's not going to be given the opportunity to attack downfield as much. That was more the the comment, I think, that without speaking for Danny. Game predictions. So Lions at Bears. Uh, I always give the – I grabbed these yesterday. My lunch changed. I'm not going to look it up today because I had no time. Uh, Bear, uh, Bears are not favored. Lions are favored by three. Three. So it's a pick them effectively. Um, Bears learn from their mistakes. They'll win, They'll, but it'll be like they're not going to blow them out. It's going to be, I think, more of a shootout kind of style of game in terms of it's scoring. It's going to be like a 30-27 to 27 kind of game? It's probably – against my better judgment, because I said I wouldn't do this anymore, I would also pick the Bears in this situation. It's actually funny. I wouldn't do this anymore. I won't do this anymore. Here I am doing it again. You listen to some of the Lions beat writers and and things like that. Like, There's a funky feel, I think, on this Lions team right now, just how the last couple weeks have gone. Uh, Obviously, you know, close bullet dodge in that last line, in that last Bears game. They got embarrassed in that Green Bay game, and then they were able to bring it back for the Saints game. They barely beat the Saints, but they did win. There's a funky air kind of right now in, in Detroit land. There is, and I think it's the coming back to earth of Jared Goff more than anything and how bad the defense has been. A game that I will not be watching tonight because I refuse. Patriots at Steelers. Steelers are favored by six with your boy, Mitch Trubisky. Maserati Mitch leading the way. Who you got? The standard is the standard. Mike Tomlin and Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win the defensive battle or the Zappy Trubisky Bowl. We like if I were honestly if I were New England, I would play Malik Cunningham just to see what it is. Like screw it, he can do things the other two can't. I always wondered this. So, what is the intention of playing Bailey Zappy? Nothing. You cut him in the off season. So like so why why not why not play Mac Jones? I think Mac is broken. So <laughs> I say this because as we've talked about multiple times on the show, players don't tank, coaches usually don't tank, front offices kind of do to an extent. Is is your intention of playing Bailey Zappi to try to win a couple of games? I think I think that's what they're trying to do. I Ugh. think I dude, I think Mac Jones is broken. And that's the thing. I was never a Mac Jones guy. Like I remember when people were talking about, yes, he probably would have been perfect for Shanahan, but when the people were talking about wanting him over Justin, I was made no sense to me, but man, talk, the bears did Justin dirty. The Patriots have not done all that much by Mac Jones. I mean, giving him a bunch of receivers that don't fit his play style, giving him Matt Patricia and Bill O'Brien as his offensive coordinators. Like he's had a rough go of it. And yeah, I think broken might be an understatement. Yeah, like he's had a couple of passes where he like because this the thing he that made him interesting was he was pro ready. He there was nothing you could throw at him that he couldn't digest, and he's this hyper competitive dude. Like you could physically see him shaking if he missed throws at Alabama when you watched his tape. Like he's this hyper competitive, 
which is kind of how he has to be. That's how you have to live. If you lack some physical tools, you have to make it up somewhere else, namely in mentality and, and film room sessions and stuff like that. He doesn't have it anymore. He like, I've seen him loft balls into triple coverage and just walk off the field. Like, eh, whatever. Like that's not who Mac Jones was. Like what is going on here? He's just done. He needs, he needs to like, if they hadn't drafted Will Levis, like he needed to like get traded to the Titans and have Mike Vabral be his dude to like pump him back up. He needs like a he needs a stable presence. You mean future Bears head coach Mike Vrabel via trade? God, I can't, that would be so expensive of a trade. Also, I don't want that. I want an offensive guy. I know that's like really silly, but I want an offensive guy. <laughs> you don't uh, want the coach who's who's willing to chop his pee pee off to win a to win no. a Super Bowl. My biggest problem with the coaches of the of the Mike Tomlin, who I love Mike Tomlin, and I, I would consider bringing him on if if I was if he became available, but like the Mike Tomlins and the Vrabels, when you end up in the middle with those coaches, it is so hard to get out of the middle because it's a, it's a monkey paw. Because the standard is the standard, as you said, and they're too good to lose, so you never get good enough draft capital to try to reset. But they're also then not good enough to really win and you just either are just outside or maybe make the playoffs you're stuck in this circle yeah it's like i said it's the monkey paw it's good but it's also bad there's like it's really really a hard way to live that being said i would take mike tomlin every day and twice on sunday 100 um rattle through the rest of these game predictions panthers at saints saints here by five panthers at saints saints here I'm almost tempted to pick the Panthers to win <laughs> just because I think Derek Carr, Carr is broken at two. Like, I, I think he's cooked. I think it's over with, but the defense in, in new Orleans is, is good. And the Panthers are just bad. Panthers are bad. Panthers cover saints win. I think that's fair. Um, we got Colts at Bengals just because the Browning thing is very interesting to me. Uh, the Colts are favored by one. Colts went out, right? Talk about a funky story. Gardner Minshew going to be in the playoffs, maybe, potentially. Eagles at Cowboys. Cowboys favored by three and a half. With the way Dak is playing, the ass beating that just got put on Philadelphia by the – I think I've used the term overwhelming on our show before to describe the 49ers. They're just overwhelming, right? Like – Philadelphia ekes it out, but the Cowboys cover. Cowboys you said, are favored wait, by three and a half. Oh, you said you said okay. No, up. I, I had it flipped. Okay, so Eagles cover and win. Barely. Okay, Eagles cover win. Gotcha. I was like, I don't know how that's Barely. possible. What you? Just I had said. it. I had it flipped. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I miss, lastly, I miss, I miss lastly, Packers at Giants. The Packers are favored by six and a half. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, Packers win cover. I know it's a bigger number for the NFL, but the the Tommy DeVito thing isn't doing much for me. I know the Tyrod Tyrod Taylor window for practicing is opened, but if there's something we can take solace in, in Bears fans, I know Robert Mays had the tweet yesterday of, I hate to, after watching the All 22 of the Packers game, Bears fans, the Packers have done it again. Jordan Love is good. You know what? 
my ultimate wish for this season was I didn't want Jordan Love to be awful. I thought he was awful, but I did not want him to be awful. Yep. I wanted him to be the level of good, which I think is what he is now, where you have to pay him, but he's just good enough to break your heart every year. I have because I have no problem with them getting anywhere between seven to ten wins every year, and that's pretty much it. That's fine. I don't think Jordan Love is ever going to be a quarterback you win because of. And maybe I'm wrong on that. I was wrong on him being awful. Maybe there's untapped things that I don't see. But a lot of what he's done, there's been a lot of just yeeting the ball up into the middle of the field and Christian Watson does his thing. I think that's a lot of puck luck, as you would term it in hockey, where things are just happening and they're going in his favor. He operates the pocket better than I ever thought he would. He's got some funky body stuff that he does. But I don't think Jordan Love is anything worth talking about and is anything more than a good quarterback. And that's fine. Let the Packers pay him his $45 million a year. 100%. Getting close to the end here, a cock six and bull story. These are our bold predictions. Um, we do give you an offensive defense. Offensively, I'm going to say Justin Fields accounts for three scores. And I'll say defensively, Eddie Jackson finally gets his interception that he's been looking for. Ooh, it's only been a foreverness to it uh, offensively here uh, Tyler Scott gets his first touchdown right he hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year I don't think so they're gonna uncork one to Tyler Scott downfield and he's gonna do his best to not slow down or drop the ball and he's gonna find his way into the end zone and defensively we're gonna go back to the well let's stay with the well Gervon Dexter has been getting progressively better and better and better. He has. He's going to finally have a not pressure. He's going to have a sack. It's going to happen, guys. It's got to happen at some point, right? (laughs) You just keep going back to the well. Eventually, it's going to happen. Or I'll keep getting disappointed. One of the two. Offensive player of the game. Um, I'm going to go with DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Uh, It's just going to be one of those nine-catch 120 yard games for him. Is he going to be counting on the sideline again? No, maybe not that far, but yeah, <laughs> but it, but there's going to be a little more swagger than than uh, last last week was. I'll say Khalil. I think Khalil's going to have a big game, especially if they they deem him the one to tote the rock the majority of the time. Especially with the Lions aren't going to be bringing pressure the way of Flores would, and they'll be able to keep him in the game more often. Defensive player of the game. Uh, I'll stay consistent. I'll go with Eddie Jackson just because I think that interception, if it were to happen, is going to be a, a tie turner. Um, he maybe actually also not brings one to the house, but gets a decent return back, setting up an uh, offensive score. Uh, defensive player of the game. I just I want to pick a linebacker. I just don't believe it. I think they're going to ha- be in hell. Can I go Amo or not Amos? Can I go? Uh, can I go He's Jaquan? On- yeah, can I go to Jaquan? Go Jaquan. I think Jaquan Brisker is going to have a big game. Maybe get a sack off of a blitz. Maybe cause a little bit of a play, pass breakup that gets Eddie Jackson's interception. Uh, uh. There you go. It's all the layers stacks. Yeah, and I think Jaquan. And I think Jaquan's been playing better lately. Sorry, Amos on the brain because I saw a quote from him on the phone, old phone there earlier today. Well, yeah, he got signed somewhere. I can't remember. By, where, by the Houston Texans. Yeah. Houston Texans. So yeah, he's he's back. Or coincidentally, playing the Jets this weekend. Weird how weird how that works. Funny enough, right? 
All right, we're skipping King of the North because I'm refusing to do it the rest of the year because I, I, I'm not jinxing. You don't want to do the Justin Fields section? No, I'm going to do the Justin Fields section. Uh, he, we'll bring that back in 2024 if he's the quarterback. In, so it can be the Caleb Williams slash Drake May section? That's, so here's my thing, too, with Caleb and Drake. I think I said this. It was, I can't remember if it was with you or Kyrie. Like, why is it so much for me to ask that I have a quarterback with some swagger? Like, neither of them have the kind of swagger that I want out of my quarterback. And also, 13 and 10 are gross quarterback numbers. I don't want So them. what you're saying is you Danger want to number. sign – you want dangerous Baker Mayfield as your bridge quarterback as you develop your second-round pick next year. That's what I'm hearing because he's got swagger. That, that would not be the pathway I'm taking whatsoever. I mean, if I'm going to do something, it's just letting Justin play out his fourth year. You heard it here first, guys. He wants Baker Mayfield as the bridge. Dear Lord, like bridge quarterbacks are <laughs> stupid. I have no need for a bridge quarterback. Like not, like not like in the sense of a bridge quarterback. If I'm like drafting, like if my plan is to have any bridge, it's going to be like find me the bottom of the barrel undrafted free agent rookie. I just don't care. Like I really don't. Teddy, Teddy two gloves. Sure. Why not? He's what? He's backing up a cough, right? Yeah. With like, I think he's wearing like number 50 as well. Yeah. He did it. I think that was only for like a day, but like, I really wish he would have stuck with it. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Would have. But all right. That's the show we got. Uh, Danny and I are both picking the Bears to win this game. It's the first time I'm actively picking the Bears in, in a while. So that means they probably lose. Hell yeah. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Nah, man. Uh, hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I don't think I've talked on the show since Thanksgiving, right? Because we're right. only December 7th. Oh, yeah. uh, I guess, you know, thanks to all our veterans out there and stuff. You know, th- this is the uh, anniversary of Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1942. Um, so, you know, maybe if you run into one and you're out, I'd buy him a beer or something kind of thing. But uh, yeah, just keep that in mind and uh enjoy the holidays coming up i'm sure i know we're talking about doing a trifecta show with me you and Kyrie for the browns next week we'll see if that comes to fruition but if the bears win this game that's that's kind of my caveat if it's if they lose then there's no reason okay so we're not doing it <laughs> i just figured like then there's momentum then it's kind of fun like all right like the best defense they're gonna play the rest of the year but if they lose it's kind of like whatever so question for you before we get out of here just hypothetically what if they get to seven wins if they get okay, if they get to seven wins, then there's a large sect of people we know who are gonna freak the hell out because that means that there's a chance Eberflus is staying, there's a chance Getzi is staying, and there's a chance Justin Fields is staying, and people will be upset. And isn't it funny? Like as much as I want the Bears to be consistently great and good, part of me just wants chaos because I hate people so much at certain points. And just tank losses and just rooting for losses bothers me to no end. I think it's fair. And it's the part that's hard to, in that situation, like, right. Like they went, they went out or they would get to seven wins. It It's so hard to tell, right. Is, is it like a substantial seven wins? Like, is is that path to that mean something or did you just happen to give you it and you played a bunch of teams in bad situations? So exactly. So say you beat Detroit this weekend. That's a legitimately good football team. We'll say whatever we want about how bad the defense is. Say they look competent on offense the following week against a buzzsaw Cleveland defense 
but you're facing Joe Flaccid and the bunch of gangly idiots that is the offense in Cleveland. That's two, but it's at what? You're now at what, six, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it's likely to happen. And you have Atlanta, who's the, not good. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, on top of that, let's even add one more layer. Let's say for the sake of argument, it's seven wins, and the seventh win was you beating the, the Packers. Packers to end the year. I, I yeah. can't see George McCaskey allowing <laughs> – Man who beat the Packers to end the year and like maybe like what if what if that bounced the Packers from the playoffs right out of the the seven? And what if Justin completely changes it around from Week One, like and just goes nuclear? Roll it back, (laughs) run it back, just to the dismay of everyone. And I know I've seen this online, and I want to nip this in the butt too. For as much as I hate the tank win thing, do not root for the Panthers to win. This is stupid. You might have the most valuable pick in the draft, in a draft that has two blue chip quarterback prospects. Yes. Not not generational blue chip. You either you're either taking that first round pick and you're selecting a player that's going to help your team, or you are selling it for a ransom and you do that by the Panthers losing. Right. Do not root for the Panthers to win. I can't, and I'm like probably second to Mason in terms of Justin Fields fandom. Like, <laughs> this is dumb. This is so dumb that we're that we're seeing this on social media and even hearing it from beat reporters on the radio. Like, what if you want the Panthers to win? No, nobody wants the Panthers to win. The Panthers don't want to win. Like, the Pan- yeah, they're not even close to having a shred of desire to win a game. All right, that's all we got. Bear down, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.